Hello, friends. Pastor Greg Hagan again, and I want to thank you, first of all, for taking the time to listen to the podcast. Please make sure you get a hold of me. Just say hi. Let me know how the podcast is ministering to you. Any questions, anything I can do to help you in any way, please let me know, uh, as we want to be here to minister to you. And we always love to hear stories of how the ministry is affecting those as they listen. So you can get a hold of me at pastorgreg2 at gmail.com, P-A-S-T-O-R-G-R-E-G-2, the number two, at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook. Just look for Pastor Greg 2. Again, it's facebook.com backslash pastorgreg2. Again, that number two. Uh, but in the meantime, please, uh, if there's anything I can do, let me know. What you're going to hear this morning, this is the Sunday Sermon. This was a message I preached this morning in our church, and it's challenging you and me and us to really think about what is worship. I want you to think about that. Think about the preparation you put in. Think about what you do to get ready for worship and what it means to you in your life. In the meantime, if you take a look at the photo that's on the cover of this podcast, you'll see me in all my glory there in a suit, uh, looking pretty sharp and handsome. At least I think so. Uh, but to the right, you're going to notice two other pictures. When I take the jacket off during the halfway point of the sermon, you'll hear the laughter and kind of the movement around there. But uh, underneath is torn, filthy rags, uh, the torn up, shredded tie, the ripped up shirt, the feelings of fear and sin and despair and discouragement. Deep down, that's what we are as a broken people. But I'm so glad that our Lord Jesus and our God fix broken things. And so as we think about worship, I encourage you to listen to this this week. Let it inspire you. Let it encourage you. In the meantime, God bless. This morning, if you would, I actually want you to open your Bibles to Psalms chapter 100. Psalms chapter 100. I'm going to share with you uh, the scriptures. In fact, I'm going to switch up a little bit there too. I'm going to share with you as the New Testament reading what I was going to use out of the New Testament for the message. But again, we're going to use Psalms 100 for the message this morning with you. So as we have gathered together and, you know, we think about what worship is, you know, one of the verses that, you know, we shared there, or the verses I shared from the Old Testament and from Revelations was talking about that, talking about how worthy God is of our praise and of our worship. There in Revelations, you know, we see those uh, celebration or that constant rejoicing over who God is there in His presence. My dad was big on Revelations, and uh, if I could ever make sense of his writings, it might be pretty interesting, but dad had a way of mixing the pages up, and so they're all scattered as we, as we say. And In fact, anybody remember the little hard disk, the three and a half inch floppies? That's what they're on. And so trying to even get those off and read those anymore. But I won't forget that one of the things my dad said that he believed about those four beasts that you see that we read about there in Revelations, it says they have six wings. And dad believed that two of the wings covered their eyes, two of the wings stretched out, and two of the wings covered their legs. You know what that would form? A cross. And so he believes that they were flying around celebrating and rejoicing of the, the cross and the sacrifice and giving honor and glory to God eternally, uh, nonstop. 
I've often said that when we think about worship and we think about gratitude, if God stopped and never did anything again for you in your life, I hope you realize you have enough already to give Him praise for all of eternity. Amen? Amen. Right? Listen, if you know Jesus, if you've been given eternal life, if you have a home in glory... That's all you ever need. It doesn't matter about anything else. And you have enough there to give praise and honor and worship to God. As we think about worship and as we look in the New Testament Scripture again that I'm going to share with you while you're sitting there at Psalms 100, the New Testament Scripture is Jesus as He was talking with the woman at the well. And as he was talking with her, and they were talking about worship, and he was talking to her about uh, water and, you know, eternal life and water that, that she'll never thirst again. And Jesus comes to the end of his dialogue with her, and he says, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship ye know not what. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. And, but the hour cometh, and now is, when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. As you start to think about what worship is, I want you to consider something. Uh, there was a statement I read, a little thing about a boy who went to church one Sunday morning. And that evening he knelt to give his prayers beside his bed. And his father listened in at the door. And the little boy said, Dear God, we had a good time at church today. I just wish you had been there. And you know, the challenge we have with worship is truly not getting stuck into a routine not taking it for granted. I was having discussion before church this morning. One of the things that my wife and I said when we moved from Indiana down to Foley and down here to the Gulf Shores area, we said we never want to take the beach for granted. We never want to take for granted the joy of having that wonderful part of God's creation there available to us. And I think we said we wanted to go once a week. Don't quite make that. And I don't want to say we've taken it for granted, but we're busy, right? We're not on vacation. We don't have time to just go at any time we want, you know. We can still go a lot more than others. I mean, when you go back to Wisconsin and Michigan and all that, I'll still be able to go to the beach out down here and enjoy it. But we don't have the time. And, you know, we, we, we don't want to say it's become something we take for granted, but we have become familiar now with just living in this area. And it isn't anything special or different to us. It's just where we live. I often wonder, is that what happens to us in worship? That it just becomes where we go. It just becomes something we do. You know, you look in the Bible, and not just the Bible, but you think about the definition and what worship is. In the New Testament, worship is really almost compared to a dog licking his master's hand. Isn't it great? Every time you walk in the house, your dog is excited you're home, I hope. Amen? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. That dog is excited and glad that you are there. That joy is there 
every time. It doesn't change. It doesn't change. You know, you, you think about worship. Worship is like being face down before God in homage and in love and in appreciation. Webster's Dictionary defines worship as excessive de- devotion and admiration. It's intense. You think about something. I served for the last seven or eight years under a great man of God, Pastor Carl Crow, there in Evansville. And Carl had pastored for 35 years or more at the same church. And Carl had a thing where he believed that you should be in the house of worship every time the doors are open. People are like, well, you know, that's a lot to ask. And he said, let me explain something to you. If my son or daughter had died for you to live, I would expect you to be here every opportunity you had to honor and thank me and thank them for what they did for you. Amen? Every service is an honor that we give and a praise we give to Jesus and to God for what they've done for us. Amen? But we don't think about that as much, do we? You think about worship. Worship, it should be us connecting to God. It should be God connecting to us, and it should be personal as we come into God's presence. You're not just an observer, folks. You know, the observer of worship is God. Right? Think about it. I'm not the participant. The music is not the people who are participating. You're not here observing us perform before you. God is looking down and is here looking to you to see what are you doing for Him. We are all participants in worship. We come to give our praise and honor and glory to celebrate what Jesus had done. To celebrate what He's doing. To celebrate what He means to us in our life. It's not an observance. It's a happening in an event. It's something that we need to not just communicate or hear, but we need to feel, we need to to sense and to touch. I share with you, first of all, that worship should be a celebration and should be filled with joy. Let me share something with you that I discovered a few years ago. There's something called a leper window. You might hear it called a leper window, a leper squint, or a leper slot. You'll see it on a lot of the big mega, you know, the, the old churches that you'll see in Europe and some of the different places. Sometimes, again, it would be uh, just a slot in the wall or maybe a, a round hole about eye level in the wall of the church, either in the side or the front there. Other times it would be a narrow window. And it would be bars over it, and it would be sealed up. But it was called the leper's window, the leper's slot, or the leper's squint. See, lepers, how could they worship? Couldn't come and sit in the church with everybody else. And so the lepers would gather outside of the building, and they would take their turns looking through that little slot or that window to see what was going on inside with worship. I don't know about you, but if my turn was next, I think I'd be getting a little excited. 
I'm going to have the next few minutes that I can, you know, I can't go in, but I can at least look through these bars or look through this, this little slot or look through this little peephole and to see inside what's going on. And that's my way of being part of it because I can't go in. Boy, that's why I love the last time I preached to you that Sunday morning, I believe, was about the, the one that was laid on the, on the steps of the temple every day. And if you realize at the end of that, what happened? That man had been laid on the steps of that temple every day from birth. He had no uh, thing he knew in his life. But the Bible says that he got up and leaping and rejoicing and rejoicing went into the church. Do you think the attitude changed in church when he walked in? See, folks, we, we got to get back to that. That's what celebration and joy is, to think about that leper getting his turn at the slot, at the squint, to be able to see in and to be just somehow connected to what's going on inside. We have the privilege of being inside, but we don't have the right attitude or heart, do we? Need to get back to that, right? Is Jesus alive? Amen? Amen? Right? Then, then this is celebration, right? I mean, when you think about what worship really should be, worship should be that celebration. I mean, look with me in Psalms 100. Look at these five verses that talk to us about worship. It says, number one, in verse one, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing, know ye that the Lord, He is God? It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth for all generations. Does that make you want to shout? Amen. Amen. My goodness, folks, that is, that is worship. That is the attitude that we need in our lives when we come into the house of the Lord, when we come to worship Him. I mean, the Bible there, if you look, talking about make a joyful noise. How many people can sing? A few? Let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you right now. Anything and everything you do in God's name sounds beautiful to Him in heaven. Doesn't matter what it looks like on earth. Doesn't matter what it sounds like. Again, my dad, bless his heart, and he's singing like an angel now. But my dad would very rarely sing a special. And he always said, and I say the same thing, God called me to preach, didn't call me to sing. But dad would say, we need to put people at the doors and lock the doors to keep you in because I'm fixing to sing a special. <laughs> and bless his heart, he was right. It was special, all right. But it was such a joyful noise to hear and to God's ears how wonderful and precious it was. And so we make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Again, where does it say? Unto the Lord, right? Oh, it's not to you? Oh, I'm not singing for you? I'm not preaching for you? You're right. I'm singing and I'm preaching for God. 
Whatever we do, we're doing it for God. I'm not doing it for man's praise. I'm not doing it to make you happy. I'm doing it to make my Heavenly Father happy. Because He's looking down, and, and I do it now to make my earthly father happy because I know my mom and dad are looking down. And I want them to be proud. I want them to see and to rejoice over what's being done in their name too. And So we do it to make God proud. We do it unto Him. Serve the Lord with gladness. How often do we wake up, and we talked about the time change today. How much of a struggle was it to get up today? Anybody else? I don't mind it in the fall, you know, when we fall back. We get that extra hour. You know, Renee, my wife here, is already planning our naps this afternoon <laughs> so that we can make up for what we lost there, right? And you know, what bothers me is I'm always trying to figure out which clock is right. Did my phone really change? What time is it? You know, I mean, I'm, I, that's what makes me nervous, and I really don't have a hard time getting up because I'm thinking I'm already late or something. But, you know, we need to serve God with gladness, and we need to come into His presence with gladness. We need to come into His presence with a purpose and meaning, and not just because it's our duty. It's what we do. It's our routine. Anybody remember the Dunkin' Donuts commercial from childhood for me? I guess maybe the 70s, maybe the 80s. You know, he'd wake up and... Time to make the donuts. No real thought, no real heart, no real attitude other than just, just the routine. God forgive us that that's become our worship. Amen? Anybody else with me? It's become our routine. I, I have to go. You know, again, I've shared with you my testimony that when I was a kid, I was in church, but I was not into church. It's what I had to do. Didn't look right if the pastor's son wasn't there. Didn't matter whether I wanted to be there or not. I had to be there. And church became that kind of a chore. When I turned 16, I requested to work every Sunday and every Wednesday night. Oh, I didn't tell mom and dad that though. I've told them. I don't know why they keep scheduling me. And it took a time for me to recognize and realize, you know what? I want to be in church. And I want to be into church. I don't want to be the main piece. I don't, I don't like being the, the center of any kind of attention there. But that's what God has chosen for me. But I just want to be in His presence. I want to honor Him. Folks, I, I, I want to remind us again as we think about worship. Let me ask you a question. Easter is coming up, right? And what do we call Easter Sunday? Resurrection Sunday, right? What I want to remind you of is why, why are we here on Sunday? This is the first day of the week. The Sabbath is Saturday. When you go back in the Old Testament, that's why you ever heard of Seventh-day Adventists? Well, they believe that we are wrong in what we're doing because we are disobeying one of the Ten Commandments. So Ten Commandments is to keep the Lord's Day, to honor the Sabbath. The Sabbath is Saturday. So technically under the Old Testament law and under the Old Testament, they're, they're correct. The Sabbath is Saturday. So why are we here on Sunday? Because every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. We moved in the New Testament, we moved the Sabbath and the celebration from Saturday to Sunday 
Because this is the day the Lord rose from the dead. Every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. Amen? Amen. Not once a year. Every Sunday should be a celebration of the life of Christ. And the day that we serve and celebrate it is a reminder of that. This is Resurrection Sunday. Jesus is alive. Why don't we act like it? To celebrate and to rejoice. Jesus told the woman at the well that they that worship, when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God could not care less about what you look like. God couldn't care less about how fancy your clothes are. God couldn't care less about your attendance, but what God cares about is your heart, is what's on the inside. Remember the messages I've been sharing with you, that that woman with the issue of blood that fought through that crowd and reached out and touched the hem of Jesus' garment because she knew that if she touched Him, she would be made whole. And Jesus stopped and said, Who touched me? And the disciples, as I said, go... Who didn't touch you, Jesus? He said, no, 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 no. Somebody touched me with their heart. Somebody touched me with their faith, with their joy, with their celebration. They didn't just touch me with their physical presence. That means nothing to me. They touched me with their spirit, with their soul, with their whole life, with their whole being. Isn't that the way we should be in worship? And again, if we're going to connect with God, we don't do it through skin-deep effort. The only time we connect with God is when we take our faith, our trust, our hope, and put it with Him. Then we connect with God. That's why two people go to the same exact service, and one person is bored out of their minds and says, that's the worst thing I've ever been to in my life. And the other person is walking on cloud nine because they connected with God. Those people in that crowd, thousands of people touched Jesus that day, but nothing happened to them. Because they didn't expect anything and they didn't give anything. In worship, we should expect something and we should give something. We should give ourselves, we should give our celebration, our rejoicing, our joy, our heart, making that joyful noise, serving God, offering Him the honor and the glory that He deserves. What else you see there in Psalms 100 is, Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It's He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people, the sheep of His passion, His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. How or why do we worship and serve God? Do we do it with gladness? How deep is our commitment to Him? How deep is our worship or our preparation? So many times, you know, that we spend a lot of time on the exterior. And I'm not against that, folks. I believe any time we come to God's house, we should come in the best that we have. What I mean by that is, bottom line, did God give His best to us? Amen, right? We need to give our best to Him. And I'm telling you, if filthy rags is all you have, come on into church and let's worship God. 
But if you're coming to God's house, I believe you should come with a sense of respect and awe, and you should come the best that you can to be in His presence. But I also believe that more than anything else, we should prepare and make sure that we're coming in truth and worshiping Him in spirit and in truth. We come into church, and how many times do we fake our smiles? You know, we, we put on the, the get-up of a Christian. We wear the costume, you know, of a perfect Christian, right? I mean, heaven forbid that we'd ever let anybody else think something's wrong in my life, right? And part of the problem is, this is sad, but a reality is people are looking for something to make themselves feel better. And so they want to know about your failures so they can go around and tell everybody else so they can become better in their own eyes. Amen? You ever had that happen in your church? Shouldn't. But it does. But we come to church and, you know, we walk around, and I've shared this with you before, when we come to church and we're walking around greeting each other, you know, already I should have been praying for John. And, you know, I should be praying, how are you doing today, John? Well, God, I pray you bless him today. Give him a great service. Even though it's a terrible preacher, let him get something good out of it today, Lord. I didn't hear enough laughter on that one. That's not good. All right. You know, you, you walk around and we put on these faces, right? How's the weather How's it going, you know? How's life in your part of the woods? And how's it, how you doing, right? And number one, we're sitting there and we're faking the smiles. And when somebody asks you, everybody answer, how are you doing today? You're liars. You're lying. That's not worship. Worship, we should be broken also. You see, we come in and we greet each other and Bottom line, that other person is not fine. I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm not an ex-sinner. I still have struggles in my life. I still have burdens in my life. I still have things that I need to do better. And I still have shortcomings and failures in my life. And I need to do more. And I need to be closer to God. Because bottom line, I'm never going to be as close to God as I need to be and as He wants me to be. But we come in and we look good, right? Look good, right? Well, we're not so good, are we? You know, underneath, the reality is... Right? But is this us? I used this illustration once when I was preaching a revival. I ate dinner with the whole church. Everybody says, man, you look great. Yeah, we, we look good on the outside, but inside, is this us? You know, fear, lonely, sin, failure, disappointment, iron burn from where the wife didn't iron the shirt right. <laughs> but this is us on the inside, right? We're broken. We're hurting. I'm so glad that God loves and is attracted to broken and hurting people. God never asks you to be perfect. Oh, He says you should be and you need to strive to be. Be ye holy for I am holy. There's a great message I preach on that, folks. Listen, you know, the expectation should be that we be perfect, but at the same time, we've got to recognize when we fall short that God's grace fills the void. We've got to be broken in worship also. 
I was broken a while ago over an eight-year-old girl. But we need to be broken over each other. We need to be broken over ourselves. I need to be better. I need to do more. I need to be closer to God. I want to do better today, better this week than I did last week. And need to be broken over that. We need to be humbled. We need to be, you know, striving to do more. Not be complacent where we are. Not be happy with where we are. But wanting more from God. More from the Christian life. More from our walk with Him. We've got to be broken for the world around us. Oh, we're broken for an eight-year-old girl was with for stage four cancer, but what about broken for that neighbor who just died and went to hell? What about that co-worker that's lost and undone and desperately in need of an answer again? This is them. I don't care what kind of costume they wear, or what they put on the outside, underneath, this is the reality, folks. God sees this. God doesn't see this. He looks beyond the outside. It means nothing to Him, but what's underneath is what matters. And that's what God is trying to get to in your life. And that's what we should be trying to do in each other's lives. And helping each other and building each other up and walking alongside of each other. Picking up our brother when they're hurting and praying for them and helping them along this journey that we have. Because folks, it's a long journey and it's not easy. But what's at the finish line is worth it. Amen? But until then... We need each other, and we need God, and we need to celebrate God, but we also need to be broken. Jesus talks about the Beatitudes, and the Beatitudes, Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst for worship, for righteousness, for God's presence, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and you shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets... Jesus knows we are broken and we need to come to reality of being broken because, folks, He can't put us back together until we're broken. I love the potter in the Old Testament, the potter in the clay. And as He's working the clay, He notices there's a mar in it and He starts again and He builds the clay. We've got to submit to God as the potter. We are the clay and allow Him to mold us and make us to fix those broken pieces. But until we give Him the broken pieces, He can't put it together. And so being broken, being humbled, being mourning, and being submissive to God, celebrating what Jesus has done, but also being broken is part of worship. Boy, that leper. Mm. How wonderful it was to get that chance at the leper slot. Every week, we have a chance to enter into God's house of worship and to praise Him. Every day, we have the opportunity to praise Him, don't we? It's not just celebration. It's about open honesty with God. I'm a broken, hurting person. I'm a mess. How about you? 
I love it. My old pastor there again, one of the things he used to say is, God can unscramble scrambled eggs. <laughs> he was a simple man, loved him to death. Still do. Pastor's retired now, but uh, still loves and serves the Lord every way he can. But I know a God who can unscramble your eggs, who can fix your mess, who can put those broken pieces back together. But you won't get there by painting on that smile and putting on that outfit and wearing that costume. Got to be real. Be real with God. Be real with each other. Celebrate. Yeah, worship, it's not about the routine. It's not about the process. It's not about the program or the bulletin, not about the music, not about the preaching. It's about a person. The first person is you, and the second person is Jesus. That's what worship is. You and Jesus. Celebrating and being broken, submitting to your Master, to your Lord, to your Savior, who loves you more than words could ever describe, and who cares. Father God, I thank you today for the message of worship, for the reality of the broken messes that we are. But God, I'm so glad that it's not a popularity contest with you. It's not about the best looking with you. Thank goodness. It's about those who will worship you and connect with you in spirit and in truth. And so God, today, may we celebrate You, but may we also be broken and humbled before You, allowing You to put the pieces together the way that You will. So Lord, today, thank You again for all You do. Thank You for Jesus. It's in His precious and holy name that I pray, and amen. As we stand and sing. We're going to change the final song. We're going to sing page 170. 170.